Welcome to So-and-So, brought to you by Bernina, made to create. I'm Meg Goodman, and you're about to enjoy a casual conversation with a special member of the Sewist and Quilting community. A conversation about how they got started, what inspires them, what excites them, and their connection to this community. Our guest today is Sarah Caldwell, who heads the education team for Bernina International in Switzerland and is celebrating her 31st anniversary with the company. Born in New Zealand, her sewing began at the age of eight with the fascination of watching her grandmother sew on a Bernina machine. She went on to study fashion design and garment construction, finally landing a position at Bernina. After 10 years with the company, she was invited to Bernina International in Switzerland for a special project, and she stayed. She sews most days, creating clothes, quilts, and costumes for her local theater. Speaking of costumes, while in New Zealand, she was part of the team that created costumes for the filming of Lord of the Rings. Sarah travels the world for Bernina to teach and inspire others and holds a deep passion for mentoring young sewists and designers. Sarah, with her family, makes her home in Switzerland. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to So and So. Hi, Meg. It's really nice to be talking to you today. You as well. We've got some wonderful things to talk about today, and I want to jump right in. Um, now, you said you were fascinated with sewing at a young age, thanks to your grandmother. So would you tell us about this fascination and the beginnings of your sewing journey? Yes, Meg. Well, actually, my grandmother was a great sewer, and I always have this memory of her first sewing and there was this little old Benita sewing machine and she made the most beautiful dresses for the Red Cross. And we, all we knew is that she was sending them somewhere overseas. So these children somewhere must have been getting a lot of pleasure out of the things she was making. Mm-hmm. I must admit I was a little jealous of these beautiful things. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what the first thing it was that you ever made? Yes, I do, actually. My neighbors, uh, my the children next door, they had someone nearby with a treadle sewing machine. And we made these frogs that you filled with beans. And I can remember it was just so exciting, just creating this plain straight stitch with the um, the treadle machine. And, and that was the first memory I have, unfortunately. It's a, it's a bit of a long time ago. So um, I don't know whatever happened to those frogs, but it was um, it was really fun. So when when you sew, um, I know that you sew clothing, you make costumes, uh, you do uh, many, many things. What's your favorite thing to sew? I think I love costumes the best. I think as part of my um, training um, or studies, I studied history of, history of costume. And I was always fascinated by anything about historical dress. I, I'm a great movie watcher I love anything with a costume and and I think it's also the fact that when you actually make something for yourself and wear it you it's you're suddenly transported into that person or character and you can be someone else for a moment it's great interesting we are going to talk about your work on on Lord of the Rings a little bit later in the program um, I'd like to talk about New Zealand you were born and raised there and um, you live in Switzerland now but you said that New Zealand is a really difficult place to leave why is that well I think 
well, it's a beautiful country for a start, but also the people are really quite uh, different to what I've seen in many other countries in the sense we're so far away from anywhere that we had to learn to be very do-it-yourself. Um, and also I think a lot of it is to do with um, being very open and spontaneous. And I think I've had to learn that coming to Europe that people are a lot less, they're a lot more structured. Um, they're also very um, always on time. I had to learn a lot of these skills when I came <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, And, um, of course, I miss my family in New Zealand and also my school friends and the people I knew as, as a as a younger person, but you know, I've I've done my best to um, actually find new relationships here, and I've met wonderful people, and I do really enjoy my life here in Europe as well. So, I want to talk about um, your career. You studied uh, fashion design and garment construction, and eventually, you secured a job at Bernina. Um, tell us about that that journey from studying to uh, landing the job at Bernina, and, and how did you get that job? Well, I think firstly I want to say that when I left high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I loved sewing, but I didn't really know where I could find a career. And I ended up working in, in a clothing factory for a couple of years before I started to study, which was like doing an apprenticeship, which is really quite common here in Europe. And then once I finished my studies, I thought, oh, I really don't think I'm ever going to be a fashion designer. Um, and then one day I saw an ad in the paper, a little ad, and it said, do you love to sew? Do you like to travel? Do you like talking to people? And I thought, goodness, it sounds a bit like me. So I applied for the job. And really, you know, I was only working in factories, so I had very casual clothes. So suddenly I was sewing through the night a suit to wear to the interview. Oh, my. And Yeah. and and. <laughs> I, I got it done and I went to the interview and it, and it went quite well, I think. And the worst thing was they said, well, it's now down to two people. We'd like you to come back for a second interview. You needed another outfit. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I can't be seen at Bernina with the same outfit on. So once again, I was uh, sewing again to create something different. And um, I just knew that that was going to – it needed to be my job. So I – I thought it was worth the effort and I got the job and I spent 10 very happy years working in New Zealand, working um, for the Benina dealers, um, doing workshops and classes. I worked with school, um, home economics teachers and I worked at trade shows. I did all sorts of different things when it came to, um, to the company because we were just a small team. But it was also very, very interesting because we, all, of course, always have new products to promote. There's always new people. And, and if it's something you love uh, doing, it makes it very easy. So after 10 years, you got a special project and went off to Switzerland. Yeah, well, I thought I always had this idea that I wanted to do something more. And I did travel. I was very lucky. I got to travel to Switzerland to the factory once every couple of years to be involved in new product launches. And then with one project we were working on, I had to go more often. And then they said, well, it would be much easier if you could just come and stay for a year. And I thought, well, I'm single. I, why not? So I packed everything up 
and off I went. And I thought it was only going to be a year and I didn't really mm -hmm. concentrate on learning German. Of course, we speak German in our part of the country. And suddenly I was at the factory. And, um, and of course, as it can happen, after six months, I met a wonderful man and I fell in love. And it's now mm -hmm. 20 years later. So, yep, you never know quite what's going to happen. So. You don't. Now, you've, uh, you're celebrating 31 years this year with Bernina, um, and that's, that's an amazing career. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen during that time? Well, I think one of the biggest things for me, which upsets me the most, is this whole fast fashion thing. I remember as a teenager, uh, whenever there was a new trend or there was something new and exciting out there in the fashion magazines, you would always make it and have it ready for the party at the next weekend. That was just how it was. And now, of course, it's just too easy to go to these chain stores and try the garments on, buy them, and then there's this big mound of clothing all over the world of, of cheap things that cannot be used and just creating this big mm -hmm. glut. And, and, of course, what it's done is it's mean, meant that people don't sew so much anymore. They don't um, get the chance to be creative. They don't get this feeling of satisfaction when they've made something themselves. And, yeah, I think it's everyone looks the same because they're all wearing the same clothing. So it's, it's a shame. You know, you, you've, you've talked about Bernina and you said um, it's family to you. So tell us about working there. Well, it's interesting because it is a family-owned company still and the owner still is in the factory mostly on a daily basis. His son is now working with us in Stepborn, where we're, we're based. And you really feel like everybody is, is looking out, out for each other. And, and it's not just in Switzerland. It's also as I travel around the world to different markets, it's almost like you could walk into a Benina store anywhere and you'd be welcomed like one of the family. And I think that's really quite unique. You don't get that in, in a lot of other companies. And I don't know whether it's to do with the, a lot of the people involved are very creative and they're, they have this, uh, I don't know, a real sense of community within the company. I think it's very special. You know, um, on previous episodes of So-and-So, we've spoken with Pam Mashey, Gail Yellen, Amanda Murphy, all of whom have, have very close relationships with Bernina. Um, and Sarah, they've all said the same thing. Uh, no matter where you go, you are family when you walk into a Bernina dealer. Yeah, I think it's, it's really um, quite unique. And it's one of the other things that, that's interesting is that I think a lot of customers think we're this huge big company and we um, uh, can just do all these, we have all these res unlimited amount of resources, but actually we're mm -hmm. quite small and I'm amazed at what we are able to achieve. And I think if, if the customers realize that they, because um, of course they think that they um, deserve the world and of course they do, uh, but often it's, um, they don't realize just how long it takes to develop products and to make them as perfect as we want them to be because we are Swiss. They have to be mm -hmm. that way. In uh, carrying along the, the topic of family, 
Um, I'd like to talk about you and your family a little bit. You've been very open, Sarah, about growing up with a, a mom who de- dealt with mental health issues and that sewing really kind of became your escape. So would you share more about this with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I'm really happy that in this day and age, people are talking more about this issue because when I was young, it was such a closed topic mm-hmm. and everyone sort of hid away with their their issues and they never talked about it and there were you know there were a lot of uh, how can I put it they were they were very private about it and I think it's important because I believe that sewing is a great way to deal with some of these issues I mean my mother was was ill for several years and I went to a family friend who sewed a lot and she recognized that I loved sewing so of course she guided me and she taught me and she really um, didn't realize just the type of therapy she was offering me as a teenager just to get me through. And, you know, my mother unfortunately passed away when I was 15. And, you know, I think sewing not just helped me escape, but it was a very pleasurable thing to do. And it meant it made me feel good. It gave me nice things to wear, um, and although I must say, nice things to wear meaning I was putting on a brave face, and mm-hmm. people weren't probably realizing just how miserable I was or sad I was underneath. And you know, it also when you're sewing, you have to really concentrate. You know, it's not it's not easy to do, although um, there are easy projects, but you know, you have to concentrate. So really, it means you're focused. On sewing, and so it gives you this um, kind of um, rest from these thoughts. And of course, now today we have these wonderful podcasts to listen to uh, while we're sewing, and that's another way of actually. Um, it's another type of nice thing to be able to do when you're sewing. You know, um, you and I had a, a conversation uh, about this in in preparing for for this podcast, and. Some of the things we shared, you know, situations like this are much more prevalent uh, than people might realize, especially uh, a young person who might be living in a home with something like this. To And I think it's important that they know that they're not alone, that they're not the only ones. Um, talk a little bit, Sarah, about what sewing and the community around sewing did for your self-esteem, helped you achieve what you're doing. and. The, the third part of that is, what word of advice would you have for somebody who might be in a similar situation? Well, I think it, for my self-esteem, it really helped that. I think you have to, in a way, to be a dedicated follower of fashion, you have to have courage. And um, I think it was a real combination of things. Because once I was able to sew things quite well, I didn't have a fear of making quite complex garments and so it was um and and people would recognize that and it made me feel feel nice and i think in in advice to to other younger people i think things have changed a little bit now because of social media there's a lot bigger community out there of people who are um, sharing and um, they're in groups of uh of sewers with different interests, and they're they're more likely to help each other, and I think that's that's a really 
Another positive thing that has happened over the last 30 years, where when I was younger, there was it was not so prevalent. Maybe in the US, I think, with quilting groups, but mm-hmm. it was um, in New Zealand growing up, there, it was sewing was something you did a lot on your own. And so I'm really happy now that I myself even get on to a, um, a team call with other colleagues from different countries or other people that I've met along the way and we, we sit and sew together and it's it's like they're in the same room. I think it's really fun. So just I think if, if people are having issues out there, they aren't alone and there are people out there and often they just have to let people know how they really feel, being honest. And it's amazing how you realized how there you suddenly meet someone else who's gone through the same thing. And mm-hmm. I think it's great. And it's just, it's okay to reach out, which is the most important thing. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned when you saw the the ad uh, initially for Bernina, they said, you know, if you like to sew, if you like to travel. And you now travel extensively for your job. Um, and you you talk about, um, in your travels, you've met, and I'm going to quote you here, the most interesting, creative people passionate about sewing. Will you share some of the stories with us about some of the people you've met? Well, I have to say that um, I often have to pinch myself sometimes when I'm in a certain country with some of the uh, best quilting people or garment sewing people that are around because a lot of them sew on Bernina. So they gather together and I'm there maybe as a guest speaker to present a product or a a certain um, technique and it's such a thrill for me to meet these people. Um, one of the highlights uh, for me over the years was traveling to Japan. It's a country I've always been fascinated with and I worked um, a couple of times. One particular time, that it was actually the first time I went, uh, I did a very intensive training for two weeks and I had one day off and the boss of Benina Japan asked me what I wanted to do on my day off expecting me to say that I wanted to visit some cherry blossoms in a garden somewhere or a temple Mm -hmm. but no I wanted to go to the kimono museum and have them dress me as a geisha which was something that you can, can do and um it was the most wonderful experience for a costume lover to be dressed in the correct way. So they told me it was going to take um, one hour and 30 minutes to do this. And it was was including all the different layers of, um, because they they layer you. I think when you're Japanese, you're very small and and, um, you don't have many curves. Uh, For me, they had to make my curves disappear into a sort of a straight form so they could dress me in several layers of kimono and then of course came the the white makeup you know the makeup and then I had a wig and and that was just the most amazing experience I'll never forget it's especially the the special uh, footwear that you wear which was probably three or four sizes too small Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I think I probably confused a lot of the Japanese tourists because I was so tall and I had blue eyes, which was another thing. I think they someone mentioned they thought that I saw the world blue. It was a child and 
years. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which is interesting. But getting yeah. back to the famous pe- uh, famous people, famous in the sew- sewing world, um, it's been wonderful meeting these people. And I learn everywhere I go, I learn new things. And and they just get added to my my kind of bag of tricks and then I can be using them as I travel further. So it's a great way of sharing these different things that I um, get to see along the way. Now, in, in addition to your, your traveling and teaching people, you also mentor young designers and sewists um, because you say you like, love to keep up to date and you see this as a chance to give back to the sewing community. Would you tell us about this work and maybe some stories of some of the young people you've mentored? Yes, this was something that I started um, when I started working for Bernina in New Zealand. And I recognized that often younger sewers will go and buy a really cheap and nasty sewing machine because that's the only money they have. And I would, if I had a machine, I would lend it out to someone and I would teach them anything they needed to know. Uh, to do with what they were working on because often they were fashion design students or um, in later days I've worked a lot with some of the cosplayer uh, designers or or who are choosing Mm -hmm. their favorite characters and making the costumes and of course you know they they're often quite complex what they want to make you know they they're sort of running before they can walk and that's always a very interesting process to go through and I think because I went through the same thing myself, except not with costumes when I was young, it was more my clothes that I made that I was hiding behind. I often see them often, uh, they're, they're quite uh, nervous about uh, being amongst, often they're shy and they use this opportunity to dress up as their favorite characters to uh-huh. actually um, to be a different person or like I was to, to be happy, you know, because they inside they were maybe not so happy. And um, I've seen this and I've recognized this and I, to be honest, it's one of my favorite things to do is to go along to the, uh, the Comic-Con events that we have and I have several different costumes that I have that I love to wear. Princess Leia, um, I mm-hmm. just, my last one was uh, McGonagall from Harry Potter and I thought, oh my goodness, they've given me the old lady costume until <laughs> because I wasn't a big Harry Potter fan at the time. Sure. I got there and realized that she is so loved by all the Harry Potter fans and I spent the whole weekend running away from having to have photo um, opportunities with people and uh, giving them spells and it was quite exhausting I'd have to say but um, fun all the same. When uh, when you mentor um, these uh, young designers and sewists um, are there specific points of advice that you find yourself giving uh, on a regular basis? Yeah I think the thing is is to to start slowly and often I notice that People will get straight onto YouTube and they'll watch the first video that comes along about what the thing is they want to sew. And it's not necessarily the best way of doing things. And they need to reach out to people with more experience. And often they are also purchasing fabrics and materials online rather than going to a specialist like a Benina dealer. I mean, this is not an ad for Benina dealers. This is about finding people with experience. And I would really encourage younger sewers to reach out in these sewing communities 
and ask for help because I'm sure there's lots of wonderful people out there with years of sewing experience. They've probably got several old sewing machines that are just sitting there in their Bernina Museum. Yes, I, mm-hmm. I know many of them have. And they would just more than, they'd love to help someone. And in return, I mean, things I've learned myself, I mean, the technology, you know, how to use my mobile phone correctly um, for filming or how to do all sorts of high-tech things. I mean, it's, it's one of those things when you can do a swap. I think it would be something I'd really like to see happen more. In your sewing, what's your favorite costume you've ever made for yourself? Um, it's one of those things where often it's the character you're being. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed being Princess Leia. It was, it was funny because it was um, my whole family is, a, is Star Wars fans. So um, it, it was one of those things where, yeah, when you become this person and you, uh, and you, you start to take on the way they are, it's hard to explain, but you take on their personality a little bit because you learn about them as you go. Princess Lee is one, and another maybe sounds strange costume that I've seen is Margaret Thatcher. Mm. This was for a local thing. She'd just passed away, and I yeah. had just seen the film The Iron Lady, and I thought, I've got to, I've got to be Margaret Thatcher. And I really went down. I went to great efforts to be Margaret Thatcher. I had, um, yeah, I had my hair set, and I had the suit and the coat, and I even did research on about what she drank. And uh, it's all about becoming that person, and um, it's it's really fun. Hopefully, you know, we we post several photos on the so and so podcast dot com website. Um, maybe you might have a, a couple photos of you in some of these costumes. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It made, it actually rem- reminded me of probably one that is very special to me is uh, actually I made the the outfit from the advertising for the sewing machine, the Nina sewing machine that my grandmother had from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And this was for the Benina 125-year anniversary celebrations. I mean, most people would just... I'm just a little bit crazy when it comes to things like that. I wanted to give myself a challenge, so I thought I'll do this. So I wanted to make it on that machine. So I, because people always say to me, oh, I don't need a new sewing machine because, you know, mine still goes fine after 40 years. And I kind of Mm -hmm. wanted to prove them wrong that these older machines are not like the newer ones. So I thought I'd give it a try. And of course, it didn't take me long until I actually switched back to my current machine because sure. it was just too hard going i mean it's still so beautifully but i i decided to stick with the newer one but i made this suit and i then instead of she stands by the sewing machine and i want to be able to walk around and i didn't want to have to carry this heavy metal sewing machine so i actually had the sewing machine printed on a leather bag that i well, it was a fake leather bag i made so i will include that picture because it's quite I tried to look exactly like the lady in the in the ad, so it was fun for to to be this person, and it was also fun for I when I wore it to events with a lot of older Bernina dealers who could even you know they remembered when they were younger if it was a family uh, family business they remembered that time. 
On the topic of costumes, uh, we mentioned this earlier in, in the program. You were part of the team that created the costumes for Lord of the Rings when they were filming in New Zealand. How did you become a part of this team? And tell us about your experiences working on these films. Well, it was an interesting story because if you ask anyone in New Zealand, they were probably all involved with the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. All of New Zealand. It felt felt that way. It was such a big thing for us. And um, we didn't actually realize at the time, but um, it it became a lot more uh, well-known as the years went by after the movies were launched. And uh, I knew that many of the textile artists in New Zealand were using Bonina sewing machines because they were the only ones that could sew through all the heavy materials that were used for horse blankets and some of the heavier costumes and different props that they were uh, working on. And then one day I was in the office and I just happened to answer the phone and it was Weta Studios. This is Peter Jackson's studio um, in -hmm. New Zealand and they wanted to know if there was some kind of machine available that could do embroidery because they were running out of time and they had to get things digitized uh, to be able to put onto the costumes. So I said, oh, I think I know someone who might be able to do that. And I was thinking, how am I going to fit in the time to do this because I'm working, I have my job. And then I, so I, every evening I went home and sat in front of my computer and I digitized uh, the designs for them. Plus I also was involved in some of the, I, I made a, a quilt for Frodo's bed. It was uh, embroidered with gold, uh, embroidery thread. And it was just so fun to do that. And of course they said, oh, you can just send the, the things to us by courier. And I said, no, no, I'll, I'll bring them by because I was so hoping to see some of my favorite, you know, some of these actors that I'd always wanted to see in, in real. But, yeah. but it was a wonderful um, experience. And, and I just think it just showed for us as, as Benina, as a company, it wasn't something we could really talk about because you couldn't talk about your involvement at the time. But mm-hmm. Beninas were used extensively, I know, for um, the, the work done on the movies. Do you have any particular stories uh, involving costumes uh, during the filming? Yeah, I think really the, the Frodo thing was my biggest challenge because anyone out there who sew, uh, sews with gold thread knows what, how challenging it, it was. And they're always, uh, whenever you're doing costumes for a production, they're always needed as soon as possible. And it, this was embroidering right a design right around this whole uh, quilt. And it, it did... It was a labor of love, I have to say. But I remember going very proudly going to the premiere of the movie and just, I think it was not on the screen for very long, but it was pretty exciting for me to see something I'd made um, in a movie. I know you also mentioned that um, when you weren't filming, several of you would just get together to kind of decompress and, and enjoy each other's company. And it, it sounded like Bernina's family almost. You said, you know, we, we didn't know who the famous stars were in the room or anybody else. We just enjoyed each other's company. Yeah, it was kind of a funny thing, really, because um, I was, um, probably this is a bit strange, but in New Zealand, we um, we live, uh, we have roommates, so we have a house and we, we live um, in Switzerland, you live on your own a lot um, when you're younger, but we live in, in, in a group. And we, rather than spend all our money on our weekly groceries, we'd save up and we'd have a big party. 
rip-roaring party at the end of the week. And mm-hmm. this was during Lord of the Rings time. And, and of course, there were people arriving and they, they did have a special aura about them, but we didn't really know who people were. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was um, a lot of the actors were not yet so famous. And um, it was really funny then later on to think, oh, I think they were at our house. So that was a bit of a funny story. <laughs> I want to talk about your presentations. You often combine singing in your presentations to make them more fun. Tell us about this. Well, I think it's really important that when you um, start a career in something that you really love, that maybe used to be your hobby, it's important to have that life balance. And what I recognized is once I was working for Benina, I was then looking for other things to do that gave me a break from my work. And you know, I have a, a daughter who's now 16. So she was actually, um, I went through the baking phase, the cupcakes and the birthday cake phase. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, look, I always love to sing. And I thought, right, I'm going to give this a little bit more time. And so I actually found myself a singing teacher who actually we do uh, we swap I actually uh, make clothes and do alterations for her in return for singing lessons mm-hmm. and I even sing in a in a band I have a uh, it's, it's I wouldn't call it a rock band but it's a group of us who um, we, we sing and we've even with another group before this one, I actually um, we had a group at Benina who had we had a band together. Uh-huh. So, um, because I like to sing, and because I believe that any kind of presentation that you make is not just education, it's also entertainment. I have to say that sometimes, if there's an opportunity to maybe change words to a song, or I don't know, um, maybe it gives a chance to sing, then I'm more than likely to come up with something and sing to people. And yeah, it, it's just one of those things that things that I like to do. And if it just gives something a memory that they t- can take away with them, or they had had a bit of a laugh, that's that's quite all right with me. And it just makes it not so serious. I think sometimes we're so concerned with being so perfect and doing everything so correctly and that's often how it is with you know sewing you've got to be correct mm-hmm. and get it all well sewn that just adds another dimension to a training that I do. Do you have a favorite song that you've sung? Um yeah I've I've over the years I've I've sung a few different songs and I changed the lyrics a bit so they are sort of bananaized. So mm-hmm. um there's a particular song, I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my sewing in the evening time. It's loving normally. And then I say, on my Bernina. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> I, so, so anyone who takes your classes in the future can look forward to, to you singing to them, hopefully. Well, hopefully. It's, um, it depends. Usually there's so much to get into the class that there's not much time left. but. Like, there's something I like to do. And if people are up for it, then why not? Why not? Um, something else that you've mentioned, Sarah, is that um, you feel pretty strongly that it's important to have hobbies that are different than your main work. Um, why do you feel this way and what are your hobbies? Well, I think that if you, 
I suppose for me it's a little bit different because every time I sat down at a banana sewing machine to sew, I was thinking about work. I, I was I was drifting from my my hobby project to um, my next work project. So I think it's important for health to have other things that you do. I think also exercise. I, I see a lot of people um, in my sewing world who sew an awful lot, so they're very sedentary because they're sitting mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So um, exercise has become quite important for me. I love um, biking. I also do Pilates and also do Zumba. So uh, these are things that just give me a total break from my, my work and hopefully keep me a little bit fit at the same time because I think that's also um, healthy body, healthy mind kind of thing. Yes, indeed. Sarah, what's next for you? What's your dream? Well, I don't know. I I just really enjoy being with people, and I've really missed that in the last couple of years uh, during COVID, that I haven't been out in the market with the people. I haven't been traveling, and it's something I will. Um, I just love to do, and I just love to give um, – I don't know, the knowledge that I gathered over the years and share it with other people. And I hope I can continue to do that. And I would really hope that somehow that I can encourage others who are like me that have had these years of gaining all the sewing knowledge and then they can share it with the younger generation coming through. I would really love to see more people sewing and, and really making think garments for themselves and really think about this whole fast fashion thing and um, try and change it around a bit. You know, the, the pandemic uh, really did encourage a lot of people to learn to sew. Uh, and I know the hopes of many sewists and quilters is that those who learned this in the past couple of years uh, would stay with it. And to your point, there's a lot of help out there, a lot of places uh, to go for resources, education. So if there are new sewists and quilters out there, there's a whole world uh, to explore uh, to continuing this this craft and this hobby. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And I just hope that people will accept that are new to sewing, that it's not a fast thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to learn the craft and slowly learn. And I mean, I don't want to sound that it's, it's not boring at all because with every new thing you learn, you, you add to your whole kit of knowledge. And they need to learn things properly. I don't say they have to do it perfectly, but they have to learn to do things correctly. And and I think a good sewing machine will also encourage them to be a better sewer. So it's something, it does need some investment in time and energy and in a good product. But at the end of the day, it's totally worth it because you get so much out of it at the other end. So there's a difference between proper and perfection. Exactly. I mean, often, I mean, I'm always the one that watches the bride going down the aisle and I know exactly where the mistake is that I made, (laughs) where everybody else is Uh in awe at this thing that I've made. And I'm thinking, why is it that after all these years, I'm still so self-critical about my work, where Mm -hmm. I really should enjoy the journey more and also accept that it's okay, you know, it's it's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to understand too that in my job, people are always looking at the things I sew 
and 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 looking at the inside and checking how she did things and making comments and so I have to live with that a little bit. The, the expectations are pretty high, but I think I've over the years I have learnt to accept that um, doing it proper is is that's a great way of putting it. Actually, it's proper. It doesn't have to be perfect. We've talked about a lot of things today. Is there a question I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No, I think it's. I think it's uh, it's been wonderful. I think is nothing else. I could. I mean, I could just talk hours and hours about the experiences I ha- I've had, and I. Um, I'm not used to actually um, being able to talk about them so freely, and I appreciate that opportunity. Well, we appreciate your your time and your your candid conversation today, and I want to thank you for sharing all of your stories with us. Now, I know some of our listeners would like to reach out to you. So what's the best way for them to do so? Well, actually, the best way to get hold of me is on Instagram, and then they can have a look at some of the strange, weird and wonderful costumes that I've made. And they can reach me at Cladwell, so it's all small letters, C-L-A-D-W-E-L-L. Wonderful. Sarah, thank you again for joining us. It's my pleasure, Meg. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another story about someone just like you, someone for whom sewing and quilting is so much more than a hobby. It's a way of life. It's a connection to something bigger. If you know someone you think has an outstanding story, a story that should be shared on this podcast, please drop me a note to info at soandsopodcast.com or just complete the form on our website. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and visit our website, soandsopodcast.com, for more information about today's and all of our guests. That's S-E-W-A-N-D-S-O-podcast.com. And finally, I want to thank Bernina for making this program possible. I'm Meg Goodman, and I look forward to you joining us next time on So-and-So. So-and-so.